Good morning and welcome to episode two of Black and White Brunch. My name is Joe Crawford and the issue today we're going to be covering is Black Moon number one. Let's go ahead and pop that open. It's created, written, and illustrated by James C. Hallett or James Shallot. I'm not sure. Uh, it kind of runs together on the page. And it says, a note from him, Dear Reader, Thanks for picking up a copy of Black Moon Number 1. I hope you like it. It's a story that's been brewing for years. After many setbacks, it's finally debuting on the comics silver screen through U.S. Comics. Please drop us a line and tell us what you think. So, this is put out by U.S. Comics, uh, which is out of Wayne, Pennsylvania. Of interest, it was printed by Solson Printing. They also did some comics as well, Solson. This number one issue cost a buck fifty American, two twenty-five Canadian, and it looks like it was printed. I wanted to say in nineteen eighty-five, but you know what? I'm not actually seeing a date on it. So I, I thought it was during the black and white boom. I could be wrong. Anyway. Let's jump right in, and this one has so much narration that I just thought it'd be fun to read the actual issue today. So, U.S. Comics presents Black Moon Rising. He's coming. By the sound of those engines, it has to be him. The hit would go down tonight, and everything would be fine again. Yeah, don't I wish. Anyhow, all I could do was wait. Wait for death to cast its shadow over the city. What the hell am I doing here? And the man the world would one day know as Black Moon drifts into the realm of subconscious. He sees the future. I remember the stories of how the man grew to power and how the power distorted his already evil soul. As the years went on, the man became more deranged and misguided. He eventually was convinced he would win the war, the war that never had a chance. A full-scale nuclear barrage with the USSR. In one blinding flash, it was gone. Half the world I knew, the country I loved and honored. I was stationed in Japan at the time within a research complex at the heart of Mount Fuji. The five-foot-thick walls that the Japanese government insisted on were probably the only thing that saved me, me and the few staff assistants who were on duty at the time. In the months to come, we got a new grip on what was left of the world. We'd set up a home base on the new west coast of America. California fell in during the war. We sent our recruiting patrols to search for remaining survivors and to salvage equipment. The fallout hadn't affected us yet. What there was of a nuclear winter thawed out within two months. Needless to say, things were starting to turn around. By the end of the year, patrols were returning mutated. It had become too much. I began to devote 24 hours a day to finding a solution. One dark night, I found one. I set the disc on my wrist for three hours. Go now! And in the panel next, you see him disappear. And he's back. Nothing happened. I don't understand it. I should have... But wait! The clock on the wall now says 5 o'clock. My watch still says 2. I discovered I had built a time displacement disc. It works. It works. But how is it going to help us now? It was then that I got the idea. The idea that I could stop the war from ever occurring. By stopping the man before he was ever elected to office. None of this would have ever happened. It sounded crazy, but in a world gone mad, I had a little choice. 
I would leave at dawn. I dug up my old uniform, made a few adjustments. It was radiation proof and fit like a glove and also kind of looked superhero-y. I'll need a code name, but what? I can't be Frank Johnson, scientist, ex-espionage agent, etc. Wait a minute, that's it. I'll use my old code name, Black Moon. And you've got a really nice uh, splash page of Black Moon in his garb. The man's name was Monroe, John W. Monroe. Born Brooklyn, New York, April 5th, 1951. Graduated Columbia University, class of 73. It wasn't much, but it was a start. First thing I had to do was get to the East Coast, so I loaded two extra fuel tanks into a copter, and I was off. I set the time disc for 1970. Just to make sure, the way I figured it, it was that the authorities would pass off the death as a typical gang mugging. Unfortunately, I relied too much on the accuracy of the disc. As I soon learned, it wasn't 1970, but years later, in fact, it was only 15 short years before Monroe was elected into office. Time was no longer on my side. I had to start from scratch. What had he been doing all these years, and more importantly, where was he now? The information was easier to come by than I thought. After all, when you become one of the New York's biggest crime lords, every punk on the street knows who you are and where to find you. The Richmond Building. Right smack in the middle of the worst part of town. Not what I expected from a godfather. But as they say, home is where the heart is. The longer I checked out the place, the more anxious I got. I've been running on empty for the past 48 hours, and exhaustion was catching up to me. I had to sit tight and wait for Monroe. The sharp, piercing sounds of a siren awakened me from a daze, and I realized that within the dark, within the hour, it will be dark and time to leave my roost. As the night engulfs the day, my goggles change from normal tinted lenses to a special infrared mode I developed. This should make my job easier, and for the amount of bodyguards he has, I'll need all the help I can get. Nine o'clock. Time to roll. My reconnaissance earlier showed me that the building was security controlled. No one came in or out without Monroe knowing about it. That is, no one until me. The trip I made to the city commission seemed to be paying off. Air ducts from the roof led directly to the hallway outside of Monroe's room. When I got there, two goons are stationed outside his door. I pull a later laser torch, and it cuts like hot butter through a knife. Hey, get him, Rocco! Now hold it right there, buddy. And Wes won't mess you up. Mess you up. Much, that is. He quickly takes out the two guys. Whap! Crash! That was simple enough. We see him in the shadows. And then there's an ad for the Comic Nook. Subscription service. New comics. Old comics. Magazines. Graphic novels. Posters. And t-shirts. 107 East Lancaster Avenue. Wayne, Pennsylvania. 19087. Open seven days a week. I wonder if Comic Nook is still open. That's a cool ad. And a full page one at that. A wave of nausea sweeps over me as I enter Monroe's room. It's all out of some bad movie. The room like a sort of religious shrine. A vision shaped from the mind of a madman. He had it. All. Gold Eagle. Presidential seal. It was the perfect mockery of the man's future. A future I would change or die trying. Monroe! The time for this madness has come to an end. Monroe! Sorry, Monroe, but I don't have time to chat. And he shoots him. Uh-oh, here comes the goon squad. <laughs> I shoot out the lights. Good move on my part, they're blinded. And they think we're all in the dark. But with my infrared goggles, I'm not. And so he sees them in infrared. He takes them out. I toss a flash bomb, and it works like a charm. He jumps through a window, lands on a streetlight, 
lands on his feet, shoots down an alleyway. They'll be coming for me. I'll have to move fast. And he does the old Marvel uh, trench coat thing. The, the thing is so famous for, and everybody who's anybody's done it at some point, you know. He's completely in a, in a suit like Snake Eyes or something, but he just slaps a fedora and a trench coat on, so, you know, he's undercover now. I'll have to move fast. My job was done, but I couldn't help thinking about it. Something still bothers me. It's that room. Monroe's personality is so warped. I just didn't suspect it. The presidential decor was some childhood dream that turned into an adult obsession. Or by me coming across the timeline, could it have altered history more already than I thought? Taking two separate pieces of Monroe's life and mixing them together into one living nightmare. And then as he's walking a while off into the distance thinking about it, we see that Monroe isn't dead. He lights a cigar and he snickers to himself. And there's a dummy head with a bullet hole through it on his desk. Oh well, either way, my job was done, right? The dark blankets my escape as I slip into the night. And you see across the bottom of the page, ha 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 ha. Don't miss as the action explodes in the next issue of Black Moon, number two on sale soon. Well, I'm going to have to pick those up. Uh, so just a real quick review of this. This is a black and white comic, as you know from the, the fact that it's on the show today. The art is really good in some spots and maybe not quite as good in others. It's definitely, you know, an indie comic. Uh, but I really, I don't know, I enjoyed it, you know. Back to the back to the past to change something from happening in the future. You got kind of a almost like a dead zone vibe to me where you've got a guy who uh, gets elected president and the goal is to stop him from becoming president because, you know, bad things happen when you've got a guy who's willing to push the button. So that was Black Moon number one from U.S. Comics. Hope you enjoyed it. You guys have a great day. We'll see you next time.